starting us off in, uh, with kids' worship, and then we'll be getting into worship for all of us. Amen. Well, we're all going to worship together, but the children are going to lead us here in just a moment. Uh, as we get ready for that, amen, we do want to make sure the church is aware. And I know Elder Scriber is here today. Most of you are aware that Friday, Sister Scriber, amen, graduated to her eternal reward. Uh, but 71 years of marriage, and Brother Scriber is here at church on Sunday, and we want him to know that we're praying for him. We're praying for this family. Amen. And if you get a chance today, just let Brother Scriber know how much we love him, and we appreciate him, and we're praying for him. Pray for the family as well. Amen. We ask that you would do that. Amen. Uh, Sister Sylvia, do you want to you want me to have the kids come? Come on, kids. If our kids, the ones of you that are leading us, come on up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing today, and you guys are going to make moves to the song I sing, okay? Not really. Not really. Come on up here. Let's get all these kids. Let's give our kids a big hand clap as they come. <laughs> Nolan, you going to lead us today, man? You going to lead us today? All right, and all you big kids, if you want to come up here a little bit closer and help us move a little bit, amen, we're going to help these kids out as they lead us in worship. All the other kids, come on up here. Let's get in here close. Kick the door. 
Amen. How many of you think you got 50% of those moves? Anybody better than 50%? I think I got one of them right. The kick. You kicked the door wide open. Other than that, it was I was just trying to play catch-up. Amen. We're so thankful to have everybody here. Turn to your neighbor and say, welcome home. Say it like you mean it. Welcome home. Amen. We're so glad that you are here today. We're going to get ready in a moment to enter, enter into worship. Before we do that, if you could, on the screens around the room, just a couple of important announcements that we need to make today. And then as soon as that's done, Brother Tyler has got an announcement he's going to take care of. Wednesday night is midweek service, and we will have corporate prayer from 6.30 to 7.15. Our family-focused classes are going to follow right after that. Also, next Monday is gym night at 7 p.m. We will be having guest speaker, Brother Roberts, via the internet, speaking to us about some really great topics. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. And then also, young people and parents, don't forget that there is a meeting um, following service next Sunday regarding fall youth retreat, so make sure that you stick around for that. And that is all the announcements. Again, we're so excited that you've joined us today, and God bless. Praise the Lord, church. So if I'm here, what's that mean? Graduation. This is home. We've got another couple from the church that has completed This Is Home, and we want to celebrate with them. Brother and Sister Osborne, Brother Henry Osborne and Sister Lisa, if y'all could come forward. They have completed This Is Home. We have some certificates for you. Congratulations. Yes, ma'am. Brother Henry? Yes, sir. Congratulations. Yes, ma'am. Everybody say, welcome home. Amen. So we are ready. The This Is Home team is ready to start a new class. Uh, we're looking to do that here within the next couple of Sundays. So if anyone is not taking This Is Home and you would like to, come see me. Come see my wife. See Sister Linda. See Sister Simone. We'll get you signed up. We'll get you started. It's a six-week class. We go through every Sunday. We've got a different lesson that we'll teach. Um, and then at the end, you'll get invited to a, a graduate's brunch during the Sunday school hour. Who likes good food? Me. I like good food. So you graduate. You'll get invited to the brunch. You'll come sit with Pastor and Sister Valerie, you'll, uh, my wife and I. And then you'll get to come up here and, and show off your pearly whites to the church as uh, part of your graduation. Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Aren't we glad to have Brother Henry and Sister Lisa as members and fellowship here at Living Hope? Amen. We're so thankful to have them here as a part of our church. Brother Eric brought me a gift, it looks like. No, they've got a quick announcement that they're going to make somebody very important that they're going to be recognizing for just a moment. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. I just want to give a shameless plug quickly to the Shepherd's Fund. I know that Sister Teresa is always back there giving out the little envelopes. That is a great opportunity, if you haven't done so, to give to our pastor and his family. We know that they deserve so much more than we can offer. But what we can do as a church, we thank you for giving. 
I just want to give a big shout out to our first lady, Sister Valerie, for her birthday is coming up. She is the pillar of holiness for this church and someone that I look highly up to. Thank you so much for Sister Valerie. And this is something that on behalf of Living Church to give to you. It's a new luggage set. I don't know if you guys are trying to tell me I need to go somewhere, but (laughs) I'm excited about new luggage. Thank you all so much. I love each and every one of you. You guys go above and beyond every time, and I'm so appreciative. Glad to be part of Living Hope. Amen. Just take a joint. I know we've done some different preliminaries here, but just reach over and shake somebody. Brother Scott, good to see you today. Doesn't Brother Scott look good today? Amen. Looks like he came to worship the Lord. Just take a moment and greet somebody. Let them know you're glad they're here. Amen. We're going to ask our ushers to come, and we're going to speak faith over our finances. Amen. We're glad to have Brother and Sister Wilson here, James and Carly. Amen. We're glad to have them with us today. Amen. They recently bought a home not far from here, and they're getting it, spending some time this week getting it remodeled. They're going to be slowly transitioning back this way. Uh, And we're so honored to have them here today. Amen. Amen. Uh, We're going to do something a little bit different today, so different that nobody else but me knows we're going to do it. But I want to ask the elders if they would to come. After we receive the offering, we're going to ask, I know Sister Stephanie Barr has been having some health issues, and we're, we're going to pray over her. The Bible talks about coming and letting the elders pray the prayer of faith. Anoint and pray the prayer of faith. We believe we believe the Word of God, right? We believe practical, in the practical application of the Word of God. We believe that God is a healer, amen? And so here after, in a moment after we speak faith over our finances and the ushers uh, go forward to receive the offering, I'm going to ask the elders to come toward the front. They're going to get the oil. If you have a need today, we're going to ask you to come Even while the worship is beginning and the elders are going to anoint you, we're going to pray over you, all right? Amen. Let's join together right now. Let's speak faith over our finances. Upon the authority of God's word, I give and it shall be given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I am a tither. I bring my tithe into the storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked and the curse is broken. You pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. I receive jobs and better jobs, raises, increase and promotions, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, owed money, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts canceled and royalties received. I am blessed to be a blessing. I declare my entire family saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, in love with Jesus, healthy, strong and full of life. I call my family walking in the blessing and favor of God in their lives. I am blessed coming in and going out in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody give the Lord praise right now. Amen. Ushers, if you would. Amen. As the ushers are going, elders, if you'll come. Amen. Go ahead. If you need prayer today, my wife is going to read a verse, but even now as the elders are coming, if you have, Stephanie, I I want you to come if you would. We're going to pray over you. And I know there are more people here today that need prayer if you'll come. Amen. I'm going to read Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I wonder if we can raise our hands right now and thank God for his faithfulness. God, you are a good, good father. You are a prince of peace. God, you are faithful. God, you have never failed me. God, your mercies are new every morning. God, your promises, God, they are everlasting. And God, we give you praise today. And God, we declare healing in this place. God, those that need a healing touch right now, we take authority over sickness and disease. And God, we release healing virtue to flow from the top of their head to the sole of their feet in the name of Jesus. God, release your blessings. God, release your favor in this place today in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name right now, can we just begin to give God some praise all throughout this place? Amen. That even in the midst of our trials, even in the midst of our circumstances, that we serve a God that is good. Amen. We want to welcome you down to the front and worship with us tonight. I'm breathing. Oh yes, I'm breathing. 
Jesus.
to move in your life and your circumstance is your surrender. God, I'm at the end of trying to solve this on my own. Lord, I'm finished trying to do this on my own. Lord, I'm going to let you move right now because I know that when you get involved, anything can happen. Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. It doesn't matter what the doctors have spoken. Hallelujah, God, it doesn't matter how dismal the situation might seem. Lord, if you will step in right now, anything can happen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we invite you to move, Jesus. We invite you to move in our families. We invite you to move, God, in the lives of our children. We invite you to move right now in our marriages, God. We invite you to move in our city, in our community, Lord. Hallelujah, God, we need you right now to move in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody speak faith right now, God. I believe, I believe that anything can happen. somebody and just in sincerity ask them do you need Jesus to do something for you today I have to get detailed I know sister Renee Bays just told me her husband is having a biopsy on Wednesday so I know some details I know a few specifics but how many of you just asked somebody and they responded yes they need they need Jesus to do something Amen. I wonder right now could you take the, the need of your neighbor right now and let's lift that up to the Lord Come on, God knows the details. He knows the specifics. Hallelujah, Jesus, we lift up the needs. We're bearing one another's burdens. God, we bring these needs before heaven right now. We bring these needs before your throne of grace. And God, you know exactly what's going on today. Lord, you know the need, hallelujah, that, that our, my neighbor has, has stated today that they need Jesus to get involved. They need something from Jesus today. And Lord, we have the assurance of your word. Hallelujah, God, we have the promise of your word in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you are here today to meet needs. God, that every person in this building has enough faith to say, I need Jesus to do something. Then, God, you are ready, you are willing, and you are able to get involved. God, we raise our hands in faith believing. God, we lift burdens unto you right now. We lift circumstances unto you. Yes, God, we pray one for another. We pray for strength today. We pray for healing, God. We pray for encouragement. God, we pray for peace. We pray for a baptism of joy today. We pray for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All together now, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Turn to that neighbor now and tell him, I believe, I believe Jesus is going to do it. Tell him with faith, I believe Jesus is going to do it. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. We are, again, so honored to have everyone here today. I know it's Labor Day weekend, and I guess on Labor Day weekend, we celebrate work by not working. Sounds like a good deal to me. But I know people are traveling. We got several folks and families that are out of town today. But I want to thank you. Why don't you give yourselves a big hand clap for being here today? 
amen, for being in a place where God can do anything. Anything truly can happen today. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord in just a moment. I did want to ask Brother Wilson to come and greet you all, whatever he wants to do. He can sing a little bit. He's, he's kind of known for that. If he wants to sing, he can sing. If he wants to preach, he can preach. I invited him to preach, but he said he didn't want to today. But if he decides to, we'll let him do that too. Amen. Let's give Brother Wilson a hand clap as he greets us. Praise the Lord, everybody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Is anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday afternoon? This is the place where freedom is. This is the place where liberty is. Amen. It's so good to be back home. You can be seated. Amen. So great to be back at Living Hope. And uh, we're just excited about everything that God is doing uh, here and just in the kingdom in general. Amen. I won't take up too much of your time, but I just want to encourage your faith today. I was, we were somewhere, I believe it was Illinois a few, mo a few months ago, and uh, there was, there was a young lady, I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't know if I've shared this story here or not. If I have before, then just act like you've heard it before. Amen. But uh, act like you haven't heard it before. Amen. Don't act like you've heard it before. Uh, but there was a young lady, uh, she invited me over to pray with one of her friends I guess they were probably 15 or 16 years old. And uh, she said, Brother Wilson, I want you to come pray with my friend. This is her second or third time in church. And uh, she said, she's, she's really been trying to uh, connect with God. I just want you to come and pray for her. So I went over and I introduced myself. And uh, she looked at me. She told me her name. And her words after that were, were this. She said, why can't I feel anything? I don't know. That kind of takes you back. You're like, well, I don't know. Why can't you feel anything? You know, I didn't have the answer to that. I didn't have the answer to why she couldn't feel anything. We've all been in services before where the presence of God is moving, and everybody else seems to be getting their touch from God, but you can't feel a thing. You know what I'm talking about? That's just the way that it is sometimes. But the, the Lord just kind of began to help me in that moment. I looked back at that young lady and said, listen, I don't understand why you can't feel anything. I said, but this I do know. I know God is here, and I know that God is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So if you'll keep pursuing him, if you'll keep feeling after him, it won't be long. And I just believe God is going to touch you. It wasn't about three, wasn't any more than three or four minutes later, that young lady who had never been in church before was lifting up her hands, speaking in other tongues as God's spirit gave her the utterance. God became real to her that, that day. But you know what happened? It happened when she said, God, I'm going to keep pressing even when I don't feel anything. I'm going to keep worshiping even when I can't see anything. I don't know how this works. I don't know how this goes. But I have enough faith to believe if I keep worshiping and keep praising, you will come through. Can I tell somebody, just keep on praising God hadn't left you. Just keep on worshiping God hadn't forsaken you. Keep on living for God. He's still right there with you. Amen. Amen. He is with you, and I believe that God is going to do an incredible thing today, and I'm just excited to be back in the prayer. I'm not going to give the mic to, to my wife. Carly is very shy and very timid, but when the anointing hits her, she can start to preach a little. And, Pastor, you might not get the mic back, so I'm not going to give it to her, but we're glad to be back home in the presence of the Lord. Amen. 
Amen. And we are, we don't just love James, we love Carly as well. And the Bible tells us he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I believe that when God gave Brother Wilson Carly, he gave Brother Wilson exactly what he needed. Amen. She is uh, intercessor, prayer warrior, and uh, just a great, many of you may, because she is kind of timid. I haven't seen what happens when, well, maybe one day we'll get to see what happens when the Holy Ghost hits her and she just takes over. Uh, but she may not say a whole lot, but I promise you, when you get a chance to know her, she's a sweet young lady, exactly what Brother Wilson needs for his ministry, and, and he's also what she needs, amen? And so we're thankful to have them here today, amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, and I, one more time, I just want to give honor to Elder Scriber today, and I want him to know that we are going to be praying for him, amen. I went over and just leaned down. I said, Elder, I didn't expect to see you here today. And he said, I wanted to be in church today, Pastor. And uh, I, ju- I think we should all take some notes. Amen. Including myself. We should all take some notes because the enemy can use a lot less than what the elder has been through this week to keep us out of the house of God. But I'm thankful for the, an elder, elder scriber, I don't know in the 20, 30 years he's been coming to Living Hope if he said more than a few sentences. I've had to really kind of uh, pressure him to say anything because he doesn't say much. But his life says a whole lot. His words may not be many, but his, his life is full of example that we can follow after. And Elder, I just want you to know we're, we love you. We're praying for you. We're here for you. If you need anything, we want you to know Living Hope is here for you. Amen. Amen. And we appreciate you. And not just Elder, but all the family. Amen. Children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and nieces and nephews and cousins that are here today. We're praying for that family. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number one, the prophet Ezekiel said, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by those bones round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, They were very dry. Amen. The Lord caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Amen. This morning, I want to preach for a little while today on this thought. The bones tell the story. Amen. The bones tell the story. God bless you. You can be seated. We are blessed here at Living Hope. We have had an abundance of um, news of folks that, that either attend here or have attended here that are going to be giving birth in the next, uh, and don't worry, the Wilsons, that's not the, the, all right, they were like, what, we didn't even know about that one, Um, but recently, let's see, we got Katie and Logan, I almost let that one out too early, but uh, the Sylvias are soon to be grandparents, and Jess uh, and Josh are going to be parents soon, amen, amen, and Mia, Mia and Justin, they uh, moved away a while ago, but they just found out that there was, there was, was there anybody, I don't want to speak something over somebody that, who was that? Yeah, Destiny Coots and Tim Coots. So the Coots are getting a double portion there. And also, Jess and Helio. Amen, we just found out. Amen, that brother and sister Goncalves, 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 one of those two, are with child. So congratulate, if you, if you hang around here too long, uh, you're going to be fruitful in one way or the other, all right? 
Amen. So we, we want to congratulate those folks. I, Jess, they still have not told the folks over in the Netherlands yet. So don't go on Facebook and, and shout it out. But they did give us permission to tell you all. Let's just try to kind of keep that concealed among us, I think, for another week or so. And then they're telling everybody. All right? Amen. Everybody say, the bones. Tell the story. Amen. Bones. Bones are the substance of life. Now, most often we view them as metaphors and symbol of, uh, symbols of death. They are undoubtedly, though, a critical element of a healthy and productive life. In the development of a child within its mother's womb, within the tenth week of pregnancy, the bone tissues form, and the process of ossification or the hardening of bones has already begun in the tenth month of pregnancy. By the sixteenth week of pregnancy, many of the bones have formed and the child has gained the ability to begin to move its limbs. By the time of birth, a healthy baby will have over 275 bones. That's a lot of bones. Not only are bones and their formation a prevalent part of the development of a baby within the mother's womb, they are also an essential part of our lives. The human hand, if you look down at your hand and your wrist is just the cumulative of that small area of your body is made up of 54 different bones working together. The foot, don't look at that one right now, but the foot is made up of 26 bones. The largest bone in the human body is the, the thigh bone or the femur. And the three smallest bones in the human body provide the mechanism for one of our five senses. The uh, malleus, the incus, and the stapes work together to transfer the vibration of sound to produce the sense of hearing. And so we have from the largest bone in the body, the femur, to the three smallest bones, and yet every bone in the body was put there for a purpose and a reason, and you couldn't live without them. Bones bring mobility. Without bones, the human body would be immobile and would simply be a heap relegated to a stationary existence as a pile on the ground. Bones provide security. Without bones, vital organs such as the heart, the brain, and your lungs would be exponentially subject to injury from impact and punctures. Bones are also the body's source of vitality. It is the marrow within the bones that produce platelets and the red and white blood cells. Without those cells within our body, we would lack the ability to fight off any infection and we would have no strength. And so it is from at every stage of life from our formation in the womb to the vital functions of everyday living, there is no life without bones. However, the importance and the capability of bones do not end when your life ends. Because forensic scientists and archaeologists are able to go back and look at the bones of deceased. They're able to go back and look, investigate a crime scene and begin to study those bones or an archaeologist might happen upon a site where they are digging and they'll find a bone there. And, and they're able to use those for everything from solving cold case crimes as well as gaining insight to ancient civilization. But to the studied eye of these researchers of remains, these forensic scientists and these archaeologists, bones are not just a part of our being. Bones tell a story. One example that I would share today comes from a group of archaeologists out of the Australian National University of Canberra. They were researching or digging in the area that is 
now known as North Vietnam, when they found a pile of bones, an arrangement of bones that they have determined to be 4,000 years old. And yet from studying those bones, as they began to research these remains and study the bones that were, were found there, they found much about society and civilization and the person that was buried there. From careful observation and investigation of the posture, the position, and the placement of the bones 4,000 years after the demise of that man. I want you to think about that. From 4,000 years after that man died, they began to listen to these bones tell a story. And here's the story that those bones told. That somewhere in the adolescent years of this, the remains of this body, this man had suffered from a congenital disease that left him paralyzed. From observation of these skeletal remains, they were able to understand that at a young age, maybe 13 or 14, he had been immobilized. But yet, even though he was immobilized, his general health had not been neglected, but had remained well maintained. And so they estimated that even after a disease that came against this man, not in days of modern science, not in days with expanded health care, but 4,000 years ago in what would have been primitive society, this man who couldn't even move his hands and could not move his feet. He lived 10 years longer after this disease left him without the ability to move and function on his own. They studied his teeth and found that he had eaten a very good diet. They studied his, the bones and they found that his nutrition and his nourishment had never lacked. And so 4,000 years later, the, the scientists that studied these bones found a community gathered around an immobilized man and they cared for his every need. When his legs couldn't move him, the community came around him and they carried him. When his hands were motionless, the bones tell the story of friends that fed him. Amen. A story of compassion and human care shared by the story of 4,000-year-old bones because the bones tell the story. Such is the case in the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. The Bible tells us that the prophet Ezekiel has been put into a vision. Amen. We need to understand that this 37th chapter of Ezekiel is just that it is a vision. God, in the spirit, Ezekiel has been carried. It's, it's, it's not a real uh, a practical or a, a real thing that is happening, but it is a vision. It is something that God is showing him to render to him a truth. And in this vision, the Bible says the Spirit lifts up Ezekiel and it carries him out from where he was and sets him down in the middle of a valley. And the Bible says that this valley was full of dry bones. Amen. There have been days that I prayed God would lift me out of my circumstance and carry me somewhere else. Most of the time I thought Hawaii would be nice, God. You know, God, if you're going to carry me somewhere, the Caribbean would be a great place. Maybe, maybe the Mediterranean. Set me down in Italy and I'll have a, a good slice of uh, pizza there in Italy. But, 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 but I'm sure Ezekiel was, was not wishing to be set down in a valley full of dry bones. Amen. But the Bible tells us that this valley... There was not just a few bones in the valley. There wasn't a pile of bones over here and a pile over there. The Bible expressly says that this valley was full of bones. The Hebrew word that is used there to describe the quantity of bones in the valley 
that word full would speak of something that is satisfied or not lacking. In other words, everywhere the prophet looked, there were bones. When he looked to his left, there were bones. When he looked to his right, there were bones. When he looked in front of him, there were bones. When he looked behind him, there were bones. There was not one place that the prophet looked where there was a lack for bones, but bones were everywhere in that valley. And God took his man and set him down in the middle of the valley because he was saying, man of God, these bones have a story. These bones are getting ready to tell you a few things. I'm getting ready to reveal to you the condition of Israel. I'm getting ready to speak some things to you that you can only hear from a valley that is full of dry bones. And so I want to ask you, if you would, this morning to walk with me. If we could, for just a few minutes, put on our forensic scientist gear or maybe our archaeologist digging apparatus. Amen. And would you join me for just a few minutes as we walk through these first 10 or 11 verses of Ezekiel chapter 37. And we're going to let these bones speak today. We're going to let the bones that Ezekiel was sat down in the middle of in this 37th chapter of the book of the prophet. And we're going to let these bones speak to us today. The first thing that I would like to tell you that these bones are speaking from out of this valley. Uh, amen. The first thing that we must understand as we begin our investigation of the bones uh, is that bones are evidence that there has once been life. Uh, amen. That when we look around us as these forensic scientists, if you would, uh, as we look around as archaeologists, if you would, uh, the first thing that we should understand when we see a lot of bones like Ezekiel did uh, is it is evidence and a testimony testimony that there had once been life. Amen. Right now all I can see is relic, but at one time there was revival. Amen. Right now all I can see is disaster, but at one time there had been provision. Amen. Right now all I can see are remains, but at one time there had been a mighty army. Where there has never been life, there will be no bones. Amen. Seeing the bones means that there was something here. Amen. At one time, there had been dreams in this valley. At one time, there had been hopes and aspirations in this valley. And this is, I believe, the haunting nature of bones. Imagine, if you would, that you're out for a jog and you're running through the woods and you happen upon a pile of bones. Maybe some of you would think that's a cool thing. You might take a snapshot on Instagram, maybe a little selfie with the bones behind you. I don't know what you would do, but I know what I would do I would get out of those woods as fast as I could I remember as a kid not far from here uh, over behind Lexington Park Elementary I was jogging through the woods and it wasn't human I found the the, the remains of a possum and I, I I think I sprinted out of those woods faster than Hussein Bolt came out of the in, in the in the 100 yard dash and it was just the bones of a possum because there's something haunting about bones and I believe the haunting nature of bones is we know there was something there before. And we can't really put our mind around what used to be there. And that is the haunting nature of it's not the composition of the bones that makes them creepy. It's not the shape or the configuration of the bones. But it is the haunting reminder that there used to be life there. It's a haunting reminder that we are human and we are frail. And one day we are going to go in that same direction. Amen. But those bones were telling a story. Uh, amen. Those bones were saying there used to be better days. Uh, I know right now all you can see is pain and suffering, uh, but there used to be hope and faith in this place. And this is the haunting nature of bones. 
It's the pain of a marriage that's falling apart. It's not the distance between the husband and the wife that is painful, but it's remembering how close that marriage used to be. This is the story of the bones. It's not the distance between that man and that woman. Even in their furthest points, they're closer than than some stranger walking down the street. It's not the distance that is painful. That's not the haunting part of a marriage that is drawing separate. It's remembering that we once stood in an altar and we made vows and covenants with one another that we were going to love one another and we were going to be committed. I'm telling you, that's what the bones are saying today. Amen. Remembering hopes and dreams ambitions and promises the affection and the devotion but now it's nothing but bones if there had never been health sickness would not be devastating why why does sickness devastate us because we know how good health feels Because we remember what it was like before that doctor's report. We remember, amen, the older we get and the bones crack when we move and and the joints pop when we jump. And and then we don't jump anymore because they pop too much. But but the reason that's so painful is because we remember when we were seven and eight years old and we fell out of the treehouse and got back up like nothing happened. Amen. The now is painful because we remember the then. Where I'm at right now is painful because I remember some of us right now in our walk with God. We know we're not where we used to be. Amen. We're not as close to God as we should be. And the reason that is painful is because we can remember better days. We can remember when we used to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And we used to come into his courts with praise. And sometimes God's got to sit us down in the middle of the bones so we can be reminded, so we can remember what it used to be, what it once was. And let me tell you, the most painful thing is not when your heart is stirred because of what it used to be. It's when you no longer care. We understand through the reading the remaining verses that contained the vision of the prophet, that these bones were the relic of an army. At one time, there had been an army where now a pile of bones lay, an army that had undoubtedly been soundly defeated in battle, an army that had once been powerful, had once been mighty, but now was nothing more than a pile of bones. And I came today to preach to bones in this building. I came today to preach to people who are a relic of what you used to be. I came today to preach to some marriages that the enemy has caused you to grow apart. Amen. I want you to think back to the covenants that you once made. I want you to think back to the affection that you once held. I came to try to awaken somebody in this building to remember those times in your walk with God that you lifted your hands and you felt the presence of God. But now you've grown to a place where you cannot feel God. I preach to those today that at one time had hopes, dreams, and aspirations. I preach to those today that once you knew joy, but now you embrace sorrow. I preach today to those that, yes, you may still exist, but it's been a long time since you really lived. The bones tell the story. The New Living Translation, as we continue this forensic study of the bones in Ezekiel chapter 37, the New Living Translation renders the second verse 
says it this way, he being the spirit led me around among the bones that covered the floor. They were scattered everywhere. Everybody say they were scattered everywhere. Across the ground and they were completely dried out. Man, forensic scientists begin to study the crime scene and they notice, amen, if the bones are scattered, there there, there was some devastating thing that took place. As we enter into this vision of Ezekiel and we begin to study the pattern of the bones that are collected there, as the writer said, they were scattered abroad. Amen. The arm from one one remains over here and the leg over there and and they're all mixed and mingled together. Another translation says it was a a myriad of bones. It it was just a collage of bones. You couldn't have sat there and pieced them back together any more than you could have put a a 3,000 piece uh, jigsaw puzzle back together without some idea of what it was supposed to look like in the end. Amen. The second thing that these bones tell us, the arrangement of these bones provide us insight to the level of devastation that took place. In order, if it was just a battle or, or some sickness or, or, or old age perhaps that had taken out these, these bodies that now remain, they would have fallen there, all of their bones together in one place. But the devastation that must have taken place for the bones to be scattered across the valley in the way that they were, there had to have been an adversary that came in. There had to have been some attack that came. And now these bones are scattered and they are strewn throughout the valley. Amen. They are in disarray with one bone perhaps possessing no relationship to the bone that is laying adjacent to it. Again, another translation simply says it's a myriad of bones. You see, some tragedy had come. And what had once been strength had been scattered by struggle. What had once been hope had been scattered by hostility. What had once been dreams had been strewn across the floor of this great valley by disaster. Amen. I come today to tell you that these bones tell a story. They tell the story of struggle. Amen. That adversity has come. Amen. Some battle has taken place. Amen. A terrible day, a terrible occasion where dreams died and hope had fallen. Amen. I envision in my mind that this army is in the valley and out of nowhere by ambushment comes an enemy. They're not even prepared to defend themselves and the enemy overtakes them before they can even draw their swords and the enemy strikes them with such a blow that their bones are scattered across the valley. Amen. You see the bones tell a story. I preach today to scattered bones in this building. Amen. I preach to those whose dreams have been scattered by struggle. Amen. I preach to those today whose hopes have been scattered by hostility. Amen. I preach to those today that you are ambushed by the adversary and before you even had a chance to defend yourself the enemy came and scattered your faith I'm probably not preaching to everybody today. I may not even be preaching to a bunch of you. I know some of you have never been taken by surprise. I know none of you, amen, most of you have never had a day where you woke up and the enemy sucker punched you, amen. But for the few of you like me in this building that you've had a few days where you didn't even see the attack coming, but the enemy got you by surprise, I preach today to scattered bones in this building. The bones tell the story. But this is not the only story that the bones tell. If we continue our investigation of these remains, 
If you would, right now in your mind's eye, as we continue our forensic efforts, as we begin to reach down into these bones, if you would, even right now envision we're with Ezekiel in that valley. Amen. We've come and we're, we're, we're being reminded that once there was a mighty army, but now there's just bones. And, and, and now we see the bones are scattered and we're, we're reminded of the devastation that must have taken place. But now we reach down and we pick up one of those bones. Maybe, maybe it's a femur. Maybe it's a part of the rib cage. But, but I want you to look at that bone that you hold in your hand. Uh, I want you to look at that bone that you hold right now. Uh, and the Bible says this, that that bone was very dry. Uh, amen. I want you to feel that bone in your hand as it begins to crumble a little bit. Uh, and the dust, the bone begins to turn to dust as you hold on to it ever so gently. Uh, amen. Amen. There are no buzzards flying over these bones. Uh, amen. Because there's not even enough to attract the buzzards to these bones. Uh, anything worth picking off the bones uh, has long since been picked clean. Uh, these dreams are long ago passed away. Uh, amen. Ambition has long away been picked off of these bones. Uh, not even the scavengers uh, and the birds of prey are flying over the demise and destruction. There's not anything for even the birds of prey to circle over. I'm preaching to people here today that there isn't even pain any longer. Amen. At least pain is evidence that there's a struggle. I'm preaching to some marriages that you just come to the place that you don't even care. You don't even care that you don't even say hi to one another anymore. You don't even care that she sleeps down the hall. You don't care what's going on in her world. Let me tell you, those are dry bones. Amen. When you don't even feel the pain any longer, but you just decided to go your own way. Amen. I'm talking to some saints of God. It doesn't even bother you that you don't feel the presence of God any longer. It doesn't bother you that you can walk into church and not be moved by the preaching of the word. It doesn't bother you that the worship team can lead us into worship and you're never even tempted to give God praise. You need to realize that those bones are telling a story that you are very dry, that you are in need of an awakening, that you are in need of a move of God. It is not a medal to be worn around with pride when you can sit to a service and not be convicted by the Holy Ghost. It is not a medal to be worn with pride when worship can be going on and you're not even tempted to lift your hands and give God praise. It's not a good thing when you feel nothing. To, you don't even feel anger toward your spouse. You don't feel jealousy. You don't feel any kind of emotion. You're just numb. You feel nothing any longer. Can I tell you, the bones are telling a story. You are in a dry place. You are in a place where not even the buzzards are circling any longer. And I know this morning it feels like I'm painting a very bleak picture. But if you'll stick with me for a moment, the story is going to change. But right now we've got to paint the story that the bones are telling. If you would, just one more item that I need you to recognize with me as we continue our study of these bones. If we could look through the lens of Ezekiel's hour as an Israelite, culturally, if we could understand what Ezekiel saw today, we would see it and we would just be horrified because of some massacre that took place. But 
It was deeper than that for Ezekiel. Because if we could look through the, the lens of an Israelite in the day that Ezekiel lived, we would see more than just evidence of a massacre. We would recognize that something even greater is terribly wrong. Knowing within the culture of the Israelite, unburied bones were a huge disgrace upon the dead. It was a huge disgrace if your loved one died and you left their bones there unexposed for the birds to come and pick them clean. If you left their bones there laying on the surface of the ground and you did not entomb them in the ground or place them into some sort of cave or cavern, if you did not cover those bones, it was a, it was a disgrace upon that body. It was a disgrace upon that person that left unburied their remains on the body. But not only was it a disgrace upon that person, upon the remains of that individual, it brought a curse upon the living. Ezekiel, being a priest, would have been shaken by this. Something inside of him would have broken at the sight of all. Not one family member had come down to the valley and said, let me find the bones of my husband. Let me find the bones of my cousin. Let me find the bones of that one that fell in battle. And let me honor those bones by burying not one. It's just a battlefield full of bones that have been left there long enough that they're now dry bones. And Ezekiel recognized this as a disgrace. It's a disgrace that the people don't even care about the condition. It's a disgrace what's going on in this battlefield. Amen. If we could remember in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21 a woman by the name of Rispa. How many of you remember the story of Rispa what is she known for she fought for remains her two sons along with five other young men are given over to the Gibeonites by by David anyway convoluted story that would take a long time for me to go down that rabbit trail but summarizing the story her two sons are hanged by the Gibeonites and their bodies are hanging there and the buzzards are beginning to come down and the story of Rispa tells us that for 10 months Rispa took a garment Amen. If I can get my coat off, she took a garment. Amen. And, and she went out there for 10 months. And every time a buzzard would swoop down, she would swing and swat that buzzard away. Every time one of those vultures would come down, she would leap up and drive that 10 months. Day and night, she stood out there. When the rain fell, she took that garment and covered up the bodies of her boys. Why? Because I'm not going to let disgrace come against the bones. I'm not going to let shame come against the bones. I'm preaching to some bones in this building that what you've been through has left on you the stigma of shame. What you've been through has left upon you a mark of guilt and shame and disgrace. See, sometimes we outlive the devastation. We survive the storm, but we don't outlive the stigma. Mm, hallelujah. Sometimes we outlive the pain of the moment. Amen. We, we outlive the, the devastation of the moment, but we don't, we don't outlive the stain it puts on us. Amen. We're aware that everywhere we go, people are talking. We're aware that everywhere we go, we might be reminded somebody knows. Somebody knows what I've been through. Somebody knows I'm just an unburied pile of bones. I've got shame written all over my life. I've got disgrace. I'm preaching to some bones here today that the enemy is trying to bury you in disgrace. The enemy is trying to cover you in shame. Amen. You feel like there's no use in going on because what you've been through has left a stain on you. But I come to remind somebody today, the bones haven't stopped talking yet. 
Come on, hang with me for just a few more minutes because the story's not over. The bones aren't done talking. But we need some rispas in the house right now. We need some of you that will get your coat out and say, devil, you got to get your hands off of my children. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, some of you need to get your coat off and say, get off of my family. Get off of my family. You're not going to leave my family shamed and disgraced. Some of you, your bones have stories. You've been through some things, but don't you let the devil leave you lying in the guilt of shame. I wish somebody do it if you don't have a coat right now. I wish you'd act like you do. Let's drive away some fowls. Let's drive away some vultures. Come on, Angelina, get over JB right now. Come on. Come on, those unburied bones are a disgrace. They're a shame. That's the story that the bones are telling. But the story is not over yet. These bones haven't stopped talking. Come on, there's a new day about to dawn. I wish, I wish some of you marriages... I wish some marriages in this building that you've begun to grow apart. I wish you'd get your coat out and, 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 and make that, that vulture get away. Get off of my marriage. Get off of my marriage. Get off of my marriage right now. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to leave me buried in shame and guilt. Hallelujah. Come on. I know you've been closer than you are right now, but the story's not over. The bones still have a little bit more to say, but you got to get a fight in you. I'm not about to sit back and watch the devil drag my children out of church. I'm not about to sit back and watch the enemy destroy my home. It's time to stop walking around in guilt and shame. And it's time to fight for the bones. It's time to fight for what remains. Come on, Living Hope. This ought to be the one place that people don't walk into here and feel guilt and shame. This ought to be the one place that when they walk in here and all they got left is a bag of bones, we like Rizba get our coats out and fight the devil off of them. I wonder if somebody would just for a minute fight for your neighbor right now. You don't need to know anything about what they're going through. Maybe you do know something, but I wish you'd just wave your coat over their head. Come on, I'm tired of the devil messing with JB. I'm tired of the vultures coming to leave JB covered in shame and disgrace. Come on, Ezekiel was moved by the unburied bones. Ezekiel heard the story that these bones were telling. There's shame in this valley. There's disgrace in this valley. There's guilt in this valley. Come on, but Ezekiel didn't stop there. The story's not over. We've got to get a Rizpah anointing in this hour.
Can I say something right now, mom and dad, if you're not willing to fight for your children, there's no pastor of no church that can, that can get your children to heaven if you're not willing to fight for them. If you're not willing to inconvenience yourself and take your garment off and say, I'm going to fight for my baby. If you're not willing to fight for your marriage, if you're not willing to fight for your family, Come on, your family hasn't, doesn't have to die in shame. Your family doesn't have to die in disgrace. I know the story that the bones are telling right now, but the story's not over. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, I'm not anointed like you. I can't wave my coat. Oh, yes, you can. There's a special anointing for every dad in this building. There's a special anointing for every mother. In the, you don't need to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You might even just be struggling to be a Christian. But you've got an anointing on you to fight for your children. My kids aren't going to die this way. My family's not going to stay this way. Come on, my family's not going to stay this way. I'm going to fight. Come on, stop using the excuse that you're not anointed. Stop using the excuse that you don't have a position in the church. You don't need one. We got children in there, not even teenagers yet, that are being buried by the stigma of pornography dealing with the shame of what they're seeing on their phones. Oh, not, everybody getting quiet now. I'm not talking about church down the road. I'm not talking about middle schools and high schools. I'm talking about in the church. We got, we got kids, we got young people right now that are battling the shame of things that they've been exposed to. And it ain't, it ain't the pastor's job to drive those vultures away. It's not the pastor's job. Yes, that's part of my anointing, but it's also the majority of your anointing. I mean, it's time for you to get over your children and pray them through some things. It's time for you to get over your children and rebuke that spirit off of them. It's time for you to get over your children and encourage them to get up. Anybody in the building ever been under a burden of shame and guilt? I don't know that there's anything heavier to carry. And we got teenagers and young children carrying around such shame. It's the story the bones are telling. When Ezekiel looked out over that field, he didn't see just bones, he saw shame. He saw disgrace. He saw a curse that was coming upon the living because they didn't do anything about the, the dead. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. I believe a, a church, a, a church that will not fight for those that are being buried by guilt and shame, a church. I believe the church, God is going to bring a curse upon the church if we will not fight for those that right now are being overwhelmed by guilt and shame. The bones tell the story. The heading in my Bible has rendered the topic of 
Ezekiel chapter 37, the valley of dry bones. And I don't profess to be smarter than whoever those guys are that decided that's what that chapter should be. I'm not a greater theologian. I can promise you that. They have bigger degrees than I do. Guarantee you that. But the one problem I have, Brother Wilson, is the bones don't stop talking. Amen. The bones didn't stop talking. When, when Ezekiel looked out and saw shame and disgrace, the story wasn't over. Amen. I know they call this the Valley of Dry Bones, but I believe it should have been given a different name because the story doesn't end with an empty reminder of life that used to be. Amen. The bones don't stop talking when they've been scattered by an unexpected ambush. The story doesn't end when we pick them up and they're dry and brittle. It doesn't end when Ezekiel looks and they're just a relic of shame and disgrace. Amen. If that was where the story ended and the bones stopped talking, then we would leave here today having been nothing more than reminded of how bad things are. We would leave here today with no hope, no joy, no faith, and no reason to dream. But that's not where the story ends. Because if those bones could talk today, and I believe they can from the word of God, those bones are shouting out today, I've got a story to tell. Because it was somewhere in verse number four that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, and he said, prophet, man of God, I want you to speak to those bones and say to those bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody. I, all I could remember was what I used to be. Come on, I was so dry, there was nothing left. I was buried in guilt and shame. And I remember that day. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I was laying there in the hot sun. I was dry and brittle, but then I heard the man of God open up his mouth and declare the word of the Lord. And in the moment he spoke that word, something happened to me. Verse 8, Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, there was a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. Let me tell you the story of the bones today. All around this building, there are bones. There are people that at one time, you were nothing more than dry bones. I preached to a brother and sister, Sylvia, that one time their marriage was over. Uh, amen. Uh, a, 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 a Bruce and Donna Plager, that at one time their marriage was over. Uh, but one Sunday, a man of God got up in the pulpit uh, and began to preach the word of the Lord. Uh, and those bones started coming back together. I'm preaching to some bones in this building. Come on, the enemy had you scattered. The enemy had you dead. Amen, you were dry bones. You were scattered bones. But the word of the Lord. Do you remember that day when the word of the Lord was spoken? Do you remember that day?
I'm speaking to some dry bones in this building. Amen. The word of the Lord is about to be spoken. And God is going to put back together what the enemy has torn apart. I know you're dealing with shame. I know you feel disgraced. But the story's not over. Come on, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know you're carrying around the stigma of guilt and shame. But the story's not over. I wish somebody would open your mouth and speak the word of the Lord over your family. I wish you'd open your mouth and speak the word of the Lord over your marriage. Devil, I know you've got me buried under guilt and shame, but the story's not over. I'm preaching to some marriages right now that you're haunted by the memory of what once was. You're haunted by the promises you made at an altar. I'm going to tell you what the word of the Lord is going to do. It's going to erase that stigma off of your life. And it's not going to cause you to look back to what once was. It's going to change things. The bones are going to come back together again. God is going to restore. The word of the Lord began to be spoken over them. And the haunting of longing for once was, was removed. What had been scattered and disconnected had been restored and renewed. The stigma of unburied bones had been replaced. The story of the bones today would declare to you this truth, that the word of the Lord is quick and it is powerful. Hallelujah. I know that didn't make you run the aisles, but it's the most powerful truth I can give you today. The word of the Lord. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? God, I don't know. I don't know, Lord. I don't know if they can. And if they can, I don't know how to do it. Well, I'm going to tell you how you do it. Ezekiel, you open your mouth and you speak the word of the Lord. Mom, Dad, can your child be saved? Only you know, Lord. Husband, wife, can your marriage be restored? Only you know, Lord. Come on, that one that is bound by guilt and shame because of something you did, can you be released from that guilt and shame? Only you know, Lord. Let me tell you, he does know, and what he's saying right now is you need to open your mouth and you need to speak the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord is quick and it is powerful. In the moment that Ezekiel spoke the word, bones started coming back together. In the moment that Ezekiel spoke the word, there was a shaking. Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, stated, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. I'm going to say that again. I think we think revival is some gimmick where we can get the community to show up for church. That's not revival. Spurgeon said, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. If we want conversions, we must put more of God's word into our sermons. 
even, he went on to say, if we paraphrase it into our own words, it must still be his word upon which we place our reliance for the only power which blessed men lies in the word. Amen. If you are here today, I don't care what battle you've gone through. I don't care how dry your bones are. I want you to know there's power in the word of God even right now. I wish somebody would raise your hands and say, God, I reverence your word. I believe in the power of your word. I believe your word is what my family needs. Word. Mom and dad, speak the word over your children. Come on, I'm telling you, you can't, you can't raise them on a diet of Netflix and expect them to serve God. Come on, you can't raise them on a diet of Apple TV and that's all that's spoken over them. And then you wonder why they don't worship God. Amen. If you want them to serve God, you've got to speak the word over them. The word began to bring things back together. The word began to reassemble what had long ago been scattered. But then in verse 10, and I'm almost done, the bones have one more story to tell. I remember when I was laying there, my bones had been reassembled. Things were starting to get better as I applied the word to my life. Come on, anybody remember that? How God just started transforming your life? Some of you fight so hard against the word. And you wonder, why is my life getting worse and worse? Why are things getting more and more in disrepair? But as the word was spoken, things started getting back in order. And then, those bones said, and then... The Ruach, the breath of God. The breath of God breathed. I remember I was laying there. Yeah, things had started getting better. Amen. There was order where there had once been disarray. Amen. There was a closeness in my marriage that hadn't been there in a long time. Amen. But you, you, you can't just do it on your own power. Amen. You can't just do it of your own accord. It's not just in you trying to keep the law of the word of God. Amen. There's got to be a baptism of the breath of God. Amen. There's got to be a wind of God that breathes. There's got to be a spirit of God that blows into this building today. And those bones today would say, I'll never forget that day. I have been laying there in that valley lifeless so long. Amen. I was something not even the buzzards wanted. But then God breathed on me. I remember when he breathed on me. I remember when he breathed on my marriage. I remember when he breathed on my children. Do you remember when God breathed upon you? Do you remember when the wind of God blew? no accident that in the second chapter of the book of Acts, a group of people are gathered in the upper room waiting for a promise that Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem until it came. 
And the Bible said that there, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty ruah, that wind, that same wind that blew through that valley full of dry bones. It blew in that upper room, and the Bible said it filled the house where they were sitting in, and cloven tongues like as a fire set upon all of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's some bones in here today that used to be lifeless, but now you've got your hands raised. There's some marriages that once were decimated, but now you're holding hands together. Why? Because God breathed on me. Stand with me if you would. But I like the end of the story of these bones. End of verse 10 simply says this So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath, the ruach, came into them, and they lived. They stood up on their feet. But I like the end of this condition, what it says about this army an exceeding great army. See, before whatever happened in that valley took place, they were an army. But obviously they weren't exceeding great because somebody whooped them pretty easily. Amen. But before that battle took place, they were an army. They were a collection of military men. But you see, when God gets through moving in your life, you're going to be better than you were before you went through the trial. Amen. When God breathes upon you. Come on, I remember what I used to be. But when God gets finished putting you back together, I know right now all you feel is shame. But God's not just going to put you back together. He's going to make you better than you've ever been. I'm not what I used to be. I'm better than I ever was because Jesus breathed upon me. I wonder if somebody would lift those uh, 54 bones in your hand. I don't know, a couple in your arms. Let's just say 60 bones on each hand. I just thought of that, 120 in the upper room, 120 bones raised. I have probably nothing to it, but I liked it. Everybody that will today, your bones might tell the same story as those bones. Pastor, I've been through some things. Pastor, I've been taken unexpected by some things. Some things came that I wasn't expecting. And it, it did some things to me that I've never been able to repair. It left me with some pain that I've never been able to make go away. Pastor, I'm dealing with some things I know on the outside. Everybody around me, I, I put on the smile, but inside I'm their shame and their disgrace. I fear that people will find out what I really am. I fear that people will find out who I really am and what I struggle with, Pastor. That's the real me. I'm a valley of I'm a I'm a I'm a valley full of unburied dry bones. Not even the buzzards come around me anymore because there's nothing left.
on, I'm not here today to psychoanalyze. What I am here to do today is speak the word of God over you today. I speak the word of the Lord today in this house. I speak to every weak, defeated child of God. Be made strong in the power of the Holy Ghost. I speak to every sick body right now. Be healed by the power of Jesus' name. I speak to every discouraged member of this church. I speak today encouragement through the word of God. I wonder if somebody right now, if there would begin to come a shaking, if right now there would become a rattling and you would make your way down to this altar. I need Jesus today. I need Jesus. I'm tired of guilt and shame. If your marriage, if the enemy is working to destroy your marriage, I plead with you, don't die where you are. Walk down to this altar. Don't just let the enemy destroy you in the valley. Walk to this altar and hold one another's hands. God is able. Oh, breath of God, would you breathe right now in this room? Oh, breath of God, would you breathe right now in this house? Oh, would you breathe from the front to the back of this room? Would you breathe from the right to the left of this house? Oh, God, would you breathe upon every dry bone? Oh, I know right now your bones might tell a story of shame and disgrace. But don't let your bones stop talking. The word of God is in the house today. I wish a rispa. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want anybody. Listen, if you don't fight for somebody, you're going to bring a curse upon your own self. I wish we had a rispa today. We go and pray with somebody.
Hallelujah. I wonder if everybody that will. I know some of you are already having to go. But if you're here and your family is here, I want you to get, at the very least, married couples. not over we're not going to give up amen our children I don't know maybe your children aren't even here today maybe they don't have a mind to serve the Lord don't give up on them don't give up on your family don't give up on your children amen don't give up if if you've fallen and you made some mistakes and you've let down and and and, and the enemy ambushed you and and you feel like you're those scattered dry bones. The story's not over. Don't give up. I want us to pray a Rispa prayer, right? I don't even know that Rispa prayed, but I want us to pray the spirit of Rispa. A, a, a spirit that said, I'm going to fight for what's left. A spirit that said, I'm not going to let my children be disgraced and shamed. A spirit that said, I'm not going to let my marriage die in reproach and shame, but I'm going to fight for what's left until it got the attention of David. And David gave those boys a proper burial and removed the shame off of her family. I believe if we'll pray those prayers, they'll get the attention of the king. I believe they'll get the attention of the almighty God and he'll come to our homes and our families and he'll start working in the lives of our children. But you can't expect the church to fight for what you're not willing to fight for. It just won't happen. So all across this room right now, I just want us to pray that prayer. Lord, I pray the prayer of the spirit of Rispa. That God, we're going to fight for our marriages. Lord, things come. They take us off guard. We weren't ready. We weren't prepared. Lord, and it scattered the bones. Lord, I feel like there's not even anything the buzzards, there's not even anything left for the buzzards to pick off of what's left. It's so dry and decimated. Lord, every time I try to get up, I'm reminded of my failure and the shame and the guilt. But God, I pray right now a rispa anointing upon every husband and every wife, upon every mother and every father in this building, that we are going to fight for what's left. It may not seem like there's much left, but we're going to fight for what's left, and we're going to do what Ezekiel did, and we're going to speak the word of the Lord. We're going to speak the word of the Lord over our marriages. We're going to speak the Lord, the word of the Lord over our children. And we're going to pray that God would breathe one more time. That God would breathe one more time in our homes. 
that God would breathe one more time in our living rooms on family night. Come on, let these bones tell a story that it's not over. Come on, I know I was scattered in the valley, but God's about to raise me up. I'm going to be greater than, than I ever was. What God is going to do in my life is going to be greater than I was before I went through the struggle. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Husbands, husbands, I want you to look at your wives. They're here. Brother Jones, I know she's down in Texas. You got a long look today. I want you to tell them you're worth fighting for. Amen, Valerie, you're worth fighting for. I want you to tell them that you're worth fighting for. I want you to tell your children, wives, I want you to tell your husband you're, you're worth fighting for. Yeah, I know. I know what the enemy's telling you right now, that you're the only ones who get to have problems. That you're all messed up and nobody, if everybody knew the problems you have in your marriage, well, let me just rip the cover off of that. Every marriage has problems. But we can make it if we'll fight for one another. Now, moms and dads, if you got children, I want you to look at them. Denny, you're worth fighting for, buddy. JB, you're worth fighting for. I want you to tell those children. Brooke, I know you're about to be 24, but you're still worth fighting for. I'll still fight for you. Cameron, Riley, somebody tell her, Dakota. Amen. You're worth fighting for. Amen. God bless you all. I think if we had guests here today, they left a long time ago. They were like, this guy never shuts up. But if there is somebody here today that's not been baptized in Jesus' name, I don't want to fail to give an opportunity. If there is somebody here that's not been baptized in Jesus' name, right now, we would love to do that. Amen. The rest of you kids, if you're still here, that's how we get the kids to stay for long-winded preaching. We give them candy after I'm done. Amen. God bless you. Greet, greet James and Carly. Let uh, guests, if you are still here, the guest reception, the center door in the back. Is Elder still here? Elder left. Oh, yeah. Junior's telling you where the door is if you're a guest. He's jumping, he's walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. God bless you. Kids, we'll meet you out in the foyer. Lord bless you. You're dismissed.